0: The, the fact that she gave me permission to go ahead with practicing my eating disorder, I was like, well, we're going to get along great. This is going to be, because, you know, remember in the beginning, I'm not really thinking I'm going to get better. And I was like, oh, if this gets me a little better than, you know, so, but as you can imagine over time, I stuck with her and stuck with it. Uh, I would, I finally, that took, you know, probably four or five months, but where I got to a point where I would see the blue dot. And of course I was sitting down and now I was meditating for 20 minutes. You know, like that, it, you know, the first time I did, I'd be like, buh, 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 pain here, ah, binge. You know, just, I would not even, I wouldn't even sit down. She told me I wouldn't even do that. But we got to where I would be able to sit down on the kitchen floor and meditate for a pretty long period of time. Identify all sorts of things that were going on in my body, breathe through them, move them out. And I would open my eyes and then suddenly one day I thought, "Huh." I don't think I'm going to binge. On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health.
1: I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm so honored to welcome the amazing Dotsie Bosch. How are you today?
0: I'm awesome. As good as we can be in quarantine, right?
1: <laughs> right. You know, exactly. I, <laughs> you know, it's a, it is a challenge, but, you know, it's, it's a great time to connect with others. And, you know, you have such an incredible and I think uplifting and inspiring story. And it's so deep and rich. And I really want to do justice with it today. So could you maybe, you know, share with us from your humble beginnings in Kentucky, and <laughs> how you ended up as a runway model in new york and, and all the challenges that came along with it
0: Woof! okay in <laughs> 90 seconds or less right like well, how fast could you um yeah kentucky yeah kentucky grew up with kentucky fried chicken and um yeah the whole the whole bit and and the derby and and grew up riding horses because that's what you have to do when you grow up in kentucky i was um uh, competitive in saddlebed horseback riding so I grew up with a really uh, competitive spirit and competitive nature but I would say not really I didn't grow up an athlete because to me the horse is the athlete in that <laughs> in that deal right there but had a really really wonderful like middle class upbringing fantastic parents super supportive mom that always said I could do anything I set my heart to and I I believed her and uh so grew up there and then went to, um, I, I was ready to get out of Kentucky, like <laughs> pretty much by the time I was 10, but my parents wouldn't let me. So I left uh, Louisville for uh, college at Villanova University in Philadelphia. Just wanted to, you know, get to a bigger city and, and kind of uh, experience the Northeast. And so went to school there. And towards the end of uh, that, you know, Around my junior year, so tor- tor- towards the end of my time there, when I was uh, working in the drive thru at McDonald's, which is a little shocking considering <laughs> what I what I'm involved with and what I do now, but that um, was part of uh, part of my part of my past. I was doing an internship in um, news. I, I really thought that I wanted to be a hard news reporter. I mean it was it was a dream that I'd had since a long time and I majored in journalism at Villanova and I just I just wanted so badly to just be on the beat like bring the truth to the people and just be out there and um, you know driving for the really fantastic fantastic interesting stories that people had to tell and things that happened in people's lives and uh, I did an internship and realized over the course of probably about 3 or 4 months that the news is not exactly what we uh, wish that it was. It's not Walter Cronkite era anymore. And the news is very skewed and behind closed doors is big business and, and government. And there were so many extraordinary stories that were um, on the docket. And then the next thing I knew they were, just, they were just missing. And I was just an intern. So I wasn't in on the inner meetings of the the, the hows and the whys. I just knew they were they would just evaporate. Mm-hmm. So I realized, oh man, you know, this isn't what I thought it was. And now I've majored in this and I'm nearing graduation and I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. And so I started kind of um, just out of really no particular reason whatsoever, but I started controlling my food intake. I didn't really notice what I was doing. I didn't consciously think about what I was doing. It was really quite Uh, random and and just sort of haphazard. I think I was, I know that I was so desperate to find some kind of control in my life because I just had lost what, what I thought was, I thought, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. So I started controlling my food intake and it just became a beast that Mm. then I had no control over. And it, it it spiraled into a a really intense um, and overwhelming eating disorder, um, known as anorexia and, and, and almost took my life. So that was something that is definitely a part of my story. Now, you know, there was, there's so much that I learned in the in the recovery from that, um, in, in the, in the, in the deep, um, sea of misery that I was in and the lifting up out of that, that is a part of who I am today and, and learn from it. I wouldn't change it, but, um, it, wow. It was a, it was an effort that I, I just kind of, it caught me off guard. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like everyone I think thinks from the outside that doesn't understand eating disorders. Like I'm on this drive to become thin. Right. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's typical. you know, just, just stop eating because you want to look a certain way. And it, it had absolutely nothing to do with it, with the outside, um, you know, perception of how the world saw me and the size of my body, it did get the sickness started going in that direction. Where I, I had this desire to get so small that I became um, basically I wanted to disappear. So just what I would just become where people wouldn't see me anymore. I didn't want to be seen anymore. But but I think that was more emotional really than physical. What me wanting to disappear, right? Um, in all ways and in, in in all aspects. So. Um yeah, I'll stop and i I'll stop rambling yeah. and let no, you go. <laughs> I,
1: I think there's just so much there that to unpack, right? Because as also as a female and being yeah similar ages, I'm older than you a bit, but the when you look back and you're you do look for avenues of control. And food is the one thing that a lot of my people, that my patients that I work with, it's either they're eating it to feel better. It's the one thing they can do to feel better, or they Mm -hmm. stop eating because of various reasons. So what was the moment that actually switched for you? They're like, you know, this is really serious and I need to get help. I mean, Mm -hmm. what was that moment of light
0: for you? There were a lot of, I had what I call like uh, half rock bottoms and then and then a, a what everyone I think would have considered a rock bottom, which was a suicide attempt running out on the seventy sixth freeway in the middle of the night, and that was dark, but I was so sick at that period of time that i and I, you know, I had picked up a pretty solid cocaine habit by that point that i I just wasn't really cognizant of what had just happened. My real rock bottom was when my i you know I'm twenty you know, whatever you are at that 22 at that time. And my mom came to Philadelphia for an intervention, you know, that my parents tried multiple sort of intervention-esque type of things, but they didn't really have any control, right? Cause I was over 18. So my mom came for an intervention um, and it didn't go well with the therapist that she had found that, you know, I, cause I went through a ton of therapists before I really had the one that, that, that took me through saving my life. But I, was so sick and so furious that 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 my mom was uh, interfering in this disorder that I was heavily practicing. I I wasn't done with it yet. Like I wasn't ready to say goodbye to anorexia. It was like my best friend and worst en- enemy. And um, I told my mom I was taking her. You know she had to leave. I was taking her back to the airport. So she's like, you know, okay, she can't. She's not going to make me have her stay there. And I took her to the Philadelphia Airport and screeched up onto the sidewalk. We, we hit the curb and it, it was you know it was pretty dangerous and then came back down and and I, oh, I leaned over from the driver 's seat, opened the door, and threw my 90 pound mother out of the car and she fell and you know on the sidewalk of the Philadelphia airport. And that was, that was probably my, I mean, that was more rock bottom for me because I drove away and pretty immediately was like, what have you done? What did you just do? There was nothing, there was no other reason that she made that trip, but to, to help. I knew I was sick. I had gotten to the point where I was like aware of it, but I just wasn't ready to let go. So that was more rock bottom so long story short um, it would took a while after that for me to really sort of seek help but I did find someone that I really connected with and we started on the healing journey and we and, and it was therapy it was three four times a week there in the beginning and we you know we dove in pretty hard and I when I first started with her I remember thinking to myself that I thought there was absolutely no possible way that I would actually get better. I thought maybe there was way I could get a little bit better. Cause I was, I was really, 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 really skinny by that point. But I didn't think I would ever really get better. So it wasn't like I was in it to win it. Like I'm going to get better. But I remember having that feeling of, I have to try for my mom and my my dad and my sister, because they were so supportive. And I, I had the feelings that if I perish from this, or if I, Try to commit suicide again, and and it's and it works. I at least want them to know that I tried. I have to try. It just was this like revelation, you know, that I I thought was a revelation that I just have to try. As if like if I perish, like they're gonna really care whether I tried or not. I mean, that's not gonna be something that's gonna be on their the forefront forefront of their thinking. But um, that was the that was what drove me into. this healing journey, and I still say to people today, you know, you're healing whatever it might be from, whether it's alcoholism or sex addiction, drug addiction, food addiction, it eventually needs to come from you. Like at, at some point you have to want it, at some point in that process, but it doesn't have to be the catalyst. It doesn't have to be the thing that, that, that starts you. Um, it really doesn't. Cause I just went out, went down the path, for a completely different reason than myself. But then I found myself in that in that path.
1: That's amazing. So during your therapy, cause I know a lot of people who go through years of therapy and there's not advancement, there's not improvement. Yeah. So what was it so special about this therapist or maybe you can help others, yeah. like maybe what they yeah. should be
0: looking for? Well, I had had a lot of therapists Uh, who I'm sure were fantastic, that just didn't, I just didn't connect with because it was the kind of therapy where at the, at that time, like I mentioned, I was really sick. So I was in a kind of emergency mode. I had been in some in, in and out patients and and different, th- you know, therapies that didn't work at all. So the kind of the one-on-one, the one that my mom had made an intervention with and a couple of others. And they were just the therapists that believed in, you know, diving extraordinarily deep into your childhood from the moment you sit down. And they would sit across me with their yellow legal pad and their pen and just be writing excessive notes. And I'm, first of all, it's like, it's it makes you feel really defenseless when you're t- pouring something out and someone is just writing a book on the other side. Cause you're just like, what are you writing? Mm. Like, and if you're, and if you're a doctor, are you not smart enough to remember what I'm saying from sentence to sentence? Like, <laughs> like, I feel like we should be in this together and I'm pouring my heart out. And you should just be looking at me and we should be on this. So that was, those were just really uncomfortable and unsettling and I just never could get anywhere. So this therapist, I actually found her in the back of an ad of the LA weekly at a coffee shop. Um, and it was a little teeny tiny ad that said uh, she was going to be speaking at the basement of a bookstore, a uh, borders bookstore on fear. And you know, I mean, I had issues with that, that, that that were intertwined into my eating disorder. I just thought this would be really interesting to go. So I went to hear her speak and she just, there. Were, I don't even remember what she said at that period of time that really connected with me. And I went up and asked if she did private sessions and she said, yes. So we got working and she went in, she, we, she did a couple touches on my childhood in the first couple of sessions. And then she just stopped it. She said, okay, I've got enough. We, cause I said, I have to get to work now. Like, I don't, I'm not doing a year of my childhood. Like I'm sick now we can revisit it. And she's like, I got you. I don't even really, and, and, and probably literally about a year later, we went into my childhood. I mean, it took a long time to get there, but so her method, she's a meditation therapist and her method was a mixture of, um, action oriented meditation. So what that, what that really is, is uh, I mean, and of course we spent hours talking to, and, and I had an anger stick where I would, you know, release from it. She, she had a lot of, um, like activity things that would, would, would help me to, to release a lot of what I was holding in. I still have the anger stick. It's like this really long towel, right? With rubber bands all around it. You would beat the floor. Like you were trying to, you know, kill the floor. Um, <laughs> but she basically at, by that point that I had gotten with her, I was, I was actively practicing anorexia and bulimia. So big disaster, wow. and so what she basically, this is just an example, she had me go to the store to buy little stickers, little blue dot stickers um, that you would use as, as like a teacher's assistant or something, right, so the little just blue dot stickers, and she had me go around the house and put them on places that um, would either be triggering to my eating disorder or places that I would go if I was going to practice my eating disorder, or if I was going to practice a binge, so the toilet, the refrigerator, the freezer, you know, a couple of other places, and The only rule was when I saw that blue dot, when I came face to face with the blue dot, I had to stop, sit down, and identify the pain or the hole, whatever it might be, the hollowness, uh, the agony in my body where I was feeling it, whether it was my throat or my chest or my gut, right, or my toe, wherever that was, identify where it was. And then I had permission to continue on. I could go ahead and binge and purge. Well, for some reason, that just, the the, the fact that she gave me permission to go ahead with practicing my eating disorder, I was like, well, we're going to get along great. This is going to be, because, then you know, remember in the beginning, I'm not really thinking I'm going to get better. And I was like, oh, if this gets me a little better than, you know, so, but as you can imagine over time, I stuck with her and stuck with it. Uh, I would, I finally, that took, you know, probably four or five months, but where I got to a point where I would see the blue dot. And of course I was sitting down and now I was meditating for 20 minutes, you know, like that, it, you know, the first time I did, I'd be like, but, 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 pain here, ah, binge, you know, just, I would not even, I wouldn't even sit down. She told me I wouldn't even do that, but we got to where I would be able to sit down on the kitchen floor and meditate for a Pretty long period of time, identify all sorts of things that were going on in my body, breathe through them, move them out. And I would open my eyes. And then suddenly one day I thought, huh, I don't think I'm going to binge. And that was the, that was the turning point. And of course I binged after that, right? Like it wasn't this like, oh, and now everything's fine. Um, but that is what started happening. So then less and less and less did I want to practice, um, either, um restriction or binging so it was this it was a real it was an active style meditation right so yeah it is very
1: cool becoming disenchanted with this destructive habit so yes. you're you're bringing awareness and mindfulness to well what's going on there's do you, are you familiar with Dr. judd Brewer Mm-mm. so Dr. Judd Brewer is a, a good friend of mine he's an addictive psychiatrist he wrote a book called okay. the craving mind He's also plant based, by the way. And um, I think he's been on my podcast like five or six times. I have two wow. extra recordings I need to get up and running for him. <laughs> but, and I actually went to New York uh, about a month ago and filmed a webinar with him. And I started following his work a couple of years ago when I had a patient who, young, 21, 22, mm-hmm. and just came to me, he goes, Dr. Marvis, I have this intense anxiety I've never had. He goes, nothing happened, no trauma. But he was just like caught in this worry cycle. And, uh, Judd has created three different apps. One's called Eat Right Now, one's on Unwinding Anxiety, and the other one's Craving to Quit. And what was interesting, I was like, you know what, we, we talked about medication, of course. I said, but I really need you to use this app. Like, it's homework. Like, this is your doctor saying this is what you have to do. And he really took it to heart. And 30 days later, you know, they, they, we can measure objectively someone's anxiety. He went from high anxiety to normal in 30 days, just the app, he refused to take the medicine. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it's the most incredibly, but it's exactly what you're doing. You're bringing mindfulness to the moment. You're just not just going with these physical sensations and cravings and just Mm -hmm. doing it. You're not victim to it. Your mind can actually control that. Once you're aware of it, you become disenchanted with whatever you thought the reward was. You're like, that reward is actually not that great. So I think it's a great story and example. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Maybe you end up kind of I feel like I was starting to bridge the gap between that moment and then how I actually feel after a binge, mm. which you just can't even go there, you know, before that work and that therapy. Like it's all about the moment of the binge and right. feeding the endless hole that lives inside you that'll never be filled by food, clearly, um, or alcohol, right? Or or whatever right. it might be. Um, and it it was it was kind of a bridge to go, oh. I don't actually, I know what's coming after right. that. And that's, I don't, I no longer want to sort of right. sign up for that.
1: That's incredible. So how did you figure out what the hole was and how did you fill it?
0: Um, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it's, there were some layers of what had been going on in my life. I mean, it really did. I, I really did start to have to work on, um, you know, major fear and self-loathing and control issues like that's how it started was that yeah. I was not in control of what I had been in control of since I was like five years old or what I thought I was so it was mm. it was unraveling um that mostly you know and yeah I, I still have some but I it's so much better I, I mean I it's you know now I have a you know therapy for other things <laughs> it's like a journey right like <laughs> that some of that was, I let go a lot of a, of a lot of control a lot yeah. a lot a lot a lot but I think it I think it was really it, it was that you know it was just having not having a firm grip of of who I was and, and what I was going to become I right. think and, and and then just being able to let go of that and taking this amazing ride that we're on on planet mm-hmm. earth and that mm-hmm. and letting that journey unfold which is what ended up happening um which nobody in a million years, especially including me, would have thought that would have been the, you know, that part of my story too. And, but I only got there by just letting go and saying, you know. Let's, let's see where this let's, goes. Let's go for a ride of a yeah. lifetime, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you yeah. don't know in the beginning, it's going to be a ride of a lifetime no, at all. No, <laughs> not at all.
1: But you know, it's interesting, just a, a little caveat. I've had patients explain to me that fear factor, you know, that anxiety that they actually yeah, find yeah. some other habit, like anger. Like she, I had a patient literally tell me, she goes, I have this anxiety and fear about a certain situations." She goes, I just get angry and that's my control. And I can see that for me, it's worry about my children. There's And there's a reason for that. Sure, One sure. of my children was um, almost kidnapped and I was there and witnessed and we got her back. But it was like- that, Oh my God. Oh, let me tell you, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot there. But whenever, I, you know, now she's a grown up. I can't, but I worry. Oh my but, God. But these apps, you know, where you can find people, I'm addicted to it. Like, she doesn't answer the phone. I'm like, okay, where are you? <laughs> and uh, wow. it's an unhealthy thing. But, you know, it, it drove me to actually- get trained in Krav Maga and Israeli just self-defense and um <sighs> went to the military. I was active duty. So you know these are things that you're exactly right. You seek other ways of the control. So you don't have to face the fear and, and seriously,
0: yeah. But, yeah. So yeah. how did
1: how did this move? Now you're going through this and you're 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 understanding and you're releasing that and you're going for this ride. Now you're just open to it. How did this move into the biking? Because this is a whole nother level. And then, of course, the plant based diet. How did that all fit
0: together? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so the the my therapist that saved my life is also the therapist that uh, made the, the next fifteen years of my life. Because she's the one, she's the one that suggested cycling. Really, I mean, she basically at the end of our journey together. Like, I was just, I was i was i was well like i was so 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 much better and i was you know able to be a participant and participant in my own life by that point and um you know develop and maintain relationships and and trust from people and work and th- those kinds of things and so you know she knew i think when we first from day one that there was, I had, there was a competitive nature inside of me. Um, Not really an athlete, like, you know, she, because there wasn't so much, but, but just that sort of a competitive nature. And then just also just, um, I had uh, part of my anorexia was definitely over-exercise disorder. So I had had many, many, many years of um, spending, you know, hours and hours and hours in the gym on the Stairmaster and the elliptical and the treadmill, you know, just like hammering away, trying to disappear. So she had this, you know, idea that she wanted me to find some kind of um, exercise. I don't even think she called it a sport, just like an exercise or some kind of movement that I could, you know, enjoy and move in a healthy way again, which I hadn't been able to do for so long. And, um, by the, I met out Los Angeles by this point, I had moved from New York city and, and but she was the whole time I was with her was out in LA. So maybe I've been out there for, you know, about three years by this point. And she said, I want you to just select something, you know, as in not the elliptical in the gym, but something maybe outside or anything, you know, volleyball, swimming, you know, whatever it might be. And so, that's when I chose cycling. I was like, well, what about if I got a bike? Because it's, you know, sunny 365 days out here and um, you could do it year round. And for some reason, I just thought, gosh, I just think it would be so freeing to ride up PCH and into the Santa Monica mountains and just have that wind in my face and just that freedom. I was ex- loving the freedom that I was feeling from, from myself, from the trappings of myself that I had been behind bars for so long. So that's how it got, that's how it started. She was like, I love it. It's perfect. Cycling, go get a bike. Um, So, you know, it's like crazy that that's I'm really glad I picked cycling. I would not have made it to the Olympics and beach volleyball. I don't think. Um, and it just, you know, there, there we were. And I just started, I just started riding up and down PCH and going into the mountains and, um, loving every second of it. And then deciding I wanted to do something for good with, with my riding my bike, maybe six months in. So I signed up for the California AIDS ride and, um, San Francisco to LA uh in in a week you know and you camp and stuff they don't go the direct route so it was a, about 700 miles because they go you know a different route that's not on the freeway the whole time and um wow. I just I did that and finished that and there were some you know some dudes because they were all dudes at the at the front of the pack who had been kind of hanging with that week and they were like you know this, this, I think you might have some talent here. Like this isn't normal that you just started this six months and you're riding at the front of the pack with us. Like what, you know, I mean, I was dying right at the front of pack, but I have a really high suffering personality and I just love that feeling of pushing myself every day to like the nth degree. So on their suggestion, I was like, well, I don't know what to, you know, maybe, They're like, maybe you should try a race, like get a license or something and like try a, so anyway, yeah, that's, we just, I just didn't stop is that is really, honestly, the story to the Olympics is like, I just, I just didn't stop. I should have many, 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 many times, but it just, I I was intrigued with it. And I was, I was just like, so amazed that now I'm, you know, I eventually became a professional and was on the U S national team was traveling all over Europe, racing my bike, like an anorexic drug addict that it was a complete loser. And there was like no end in sight to be able to actually do anything with her life. And nobody would have thought I would have, maybe my, my mom and dad still had hope, but everybody else was like, oh my gosh, you know, you're like a wash up. Um, And just having this experience was, I just couldn't believe that it was unfolding. So I had a really great respect and appreciation for it. You know, I think right. that's one of the things that kept me in it. It was like, this is just the coolest, wildest ride that I could have ever imagine. And, and I, I, I want just, to just see where we go with it.
1: That's incredible. So what do you think about your experience with the eating disorder and the cocaine habits and this feeling of wanting to disappear? How did that actually help maybe boost you to get through those tough times because i watched that documentary the you know the personal gold mm. <laughs> and i'm sorry but you guys you, i look at that and go mm, no I couldn't do it I mean you guys are crying you've worked out so hard and that was just the practice yeah. and I'm like yeah no no no, no. Like, so what,
0: what what is it <laughs> I think you do what you do right like you 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 did that when you you know defended your daughter and you did that in medical school and you're doing that now doing something that no you know most people think is ridiculous, right? Like our mm. plant-based <laughs> <laughs> practices, <laughs> I, I, completely going against the status quo, yeah. um, because you believe in it and you love it, and and it's just. I think people, you know, they tend to look at, um, you know, the Olympics are like this. This you know has this whole aura, and it's like this amazing thing. And yeah, there's not a large percent of the population that has gone to the Olympics. I recognize that, but it's it's really it's just complete. Commitment to your craft, and a hell of a lot of suffering and hard work, and being willing to lose more than you're going to win, which is everybody's journey that ever does anything that comes out the other side victorious, right? Like that's right. it's the same journey. It just happens that it's like, oh, the Olympics, um, which I have all the respect in the world for. I mean, I, you, know, right. I, I do, oh, yeah. you know, I do. I love, <laughs> but it's like not is not really unique, is what I'm saying. You know, it's right. it's, it's 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 a yours. different arena yeah, it's just, you just, uh, you just kept going, you know, like, you just kept fighting, you know, It was like something worth fighting for, and, and, um, and there was, there were loads of opportunities to quit, and then you just didn't, for some, for whatever reason, each time.
1: So it's the perseverance, it's the one, it's the marathon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, So as, for
0: sure. as you,
1: as you were going through that, and so at what point, because it was, what, three years before you were in the Olympics that you actually went to a plant-based diet, what was this transition to the plant-based diet what was that catalyst yeah. for you yeah
0: it was like yeah it was like two and a half it was two th- it oh, was nine. like early 2010 ish so okay because um, i remember where i was <laughs> and I- then i and then because because i it, for the longest time before this movement is like I, I i didn't really know I didn't have a date. You know how people have their, like their date? I, I, no, I was like, I don't know. Then I had said to go back and remember where I was, I was, cause I was in Minnesota and I was at a race. And then remembering the team I was on, I was like, okay, that was Jazz Apple. Okay. Yes. It was right around early 2010, like the spring when we, um, and then, so um, it was, it was, it was, Is a hundred percent ethics, which, you know, mm-hmm. isn't revealed in the, in the game changers, right? They're doing it, this story and it just, Not that they're not trying to tell the right story, but that's just not the story, right? right? right. Um, So uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole rabbit hole. I don't know if you wanna get into, I mean, you know, the ethics are the ethics, which just at at some point I just became, um, you know, hyper aware of what goes on behind closed doors in our agricultural Mm -hmm. food system and the route that an animal has to take to make it to my plate. And like so many of us, um, all of a sudden, I'm completely seeing the world through a different lens. Mm I started going down the rabbit hole very quickly, like uncovering, understanding, researching, like I couldn't get enough, like what the hell is going on? Am I in a movie right now? Mm-hmm. And you know, once you go down deep enough, you can't ever come back out. Like you can't ever unknow any of that. And I just um, I just felt like I, it made me feel um, really strong to stand up for a belief system that I said I'd had my entire life, which was that I deeply loved other species besides Mm -hmm. just homo sapiens. (laughs) I had so, I mean, like I said, you know, I had horses, um, but dogs and hamsters and gerbils and rabbits and fish. I mean, I literally had like, I had a little farm at my house, you know, much to my parents' chagrin because the the hamsters bred to a degree that was not okay (laughs) in our basement. Um, It's not, it's still nice, probably yeah, that's not okay. Um, But so, I was never living in alignment with that truth. That was, you know. So when I opened my eyes to it, I thought, "Wow, you 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 have to you, now. You're going to be living in a completely different way. And this is going to be interesting because you're going to be changing your diet like pretty much a 180. And you are trying to make an Olympic team at uh, 38. <laughs> Sweet, this is going to be this is going to be great." I couldn't see it as a better alignment of
1: the stars, right? So you you have a journalism investigative spirit. You've <laughs> yeah. come to understand yeah. mindfulness and understanding your body and desires, and you align your beliefs, you're, you're authentic. And now you're about to, you're an older athlete, and what a great point to actually eat the diet that's going to keep you on yeah. track and recover so quickly. So how was that experience with others that didn't understand? Like, were other people like, are you crazy? What are you
0: doing? or yeah, pro- yeah. I mean, it was, it's genius now, but it wasn't genius. I didn't know it was genius you know, at the time. Right? Right, like, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like now we're like, oh my God, wow, you're so clairvoyant. Um, <laughs> but no. Um, yeah, my teammates were cool. Like they were on their own journey, right? It's like, I don't think they really cared what I was eating. Uh, <laughs> and they, 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 plus they're just, Cool people, like they're they're still just my closest peeps, even though we don't talk all the time. You know, just Mm. it it was since it was a a team event, like they're just they're people in my life that I I I knew I wanted to go to battle with, Mm. and I would go to any battle with 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 any of them. Now, Um, I had some coaches that were. It was more the coaches and the and the the dietitians that were like, this is Mm. bananas. Like you've lost your mind, you know, this is not going to be doable, right? Because I basically, I think why they were so perplexed and concerned was I was very, I was pretty new to track cycling. Like I spent almost my entire career on the road for a good 10 years yeah, about 10 years, 10, 11 years. And so I had switched over to track cycling just as a, another, you know, whim that I, this is my, this is how my life unfolds. Cause I was intrigued by it. Um, I knew that I probably had some talent in that discipline, in that distance, um, based on what I was, how I was performing on the road, um, in that type of distance. And then I was absolutely still am to this day scared to death of it because of the banking is 44 degrees. And, uh, I had been asked to be on the track a couple of times in my um, road career and I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't even ride up the, the balustrade. Like it was it just petrifying to me. And I, I, had, I had started figuring out, you know, that I loved pushing through greatest fears. And so um, I was now needed to build an extraordinary amount of muscle in my glutes and my hamstrings and my hips uh, that I didn't have on the road. I mean, I didn't have all that, 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 that muscle tissue, those muscle fibers, um, because our event is, and track bikes and track cycling, um, they're fixed gears, no brakes, uh, and our event specifically starts from a standing start. You've got one gear. And so you have to start in a monster gear because it has to be big enough so that when you get up to speed, we went, we traveled almost 60 kilometers an hour average at, at our Olympic final. It's, that's a huge gear. And for the the geeks out there, we wrote a 102 at the Olympics. So it's massive. And to get that off the start, you have to have a a huge amount of muscle mass to be able to move that gear. So uh, that's, I think, why they were freaked out, right? Because everyone still is back then. And I think in in generally in sport, right? And that's what the game changers was trying to unravel Mm -hmm. still of the belief system that Uh, strength, true muscle fibers, muscle tissues are only grown uh, from animal foods. So that's why they were stuck. I mean, I think if I was like, oh, I'm going to be a you know, a ballerina or a gymnast, you know, maybe the nutritionist would have been like, all right, well, you know, they don't really eat anyway. So good luck with your plants. But, (laughs) but, um, you know, they, they were like, this is, this is going to be, this is really going to be a challenge now that you, it it wasn't as we know, but that that's, that's where they, they're, they're, you know, they're still in that mindset. The The U S Olympic committee, the whole, there's still, it's, it's like the meat and dairy industry still have them like completely like, (laughs) <laughs> that, it's, right. that, that, that it's animal foods that grow muscle tissue. It's not protein.
1: It's, it's, interesting it's animal foods. Mar- marketing's affected that, right? Because we all oh, grew up thinking milk crazy. does a body good, yeah. right? So which leads me to the question. So as you're doing this training, were you yourself a little concerned? I mean, like, were, what were the things that you implemented to make sure that you did have the right, and I mean, number of calories are an issue and, you know, you're building this strong muscle. What did you find? Or did you like, wow, this transition just was Mm -hmm. so easy. Was there any worries?
0: I mean, it was, it was, it was, I did find it kind of easy in terms of being able to find the foods. Um, But I don't know. I think when you're living with like real soulful, deep conviction, there just wasn't any fear. And I honestly, I mean, there were a few times where I was like, in the beginning, maybe they're right. Maybe I won't be able to build this much muscle tissue. And I just thought to myself, well, then, then I won't be able to build this much muscle tissue. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means I don't go to the Olympics. And I never thought I would go to the Olympics anyway. So this is all a big gift. So I mean, oh, well. It, it, I had that almost like, it's just, it's not worth eating animals again. Like I can't now, after I know all this, I can't now start that for what, for, for a a well-known sporting event, like that I'm going to make it. It just, it just didn't align. So because I felt that way about it, it was just like, I just did it. Right. And then I just thought, you know, I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen. I'm just going to do it because this is the only way to, that I, I'm going to be able to live with myself now. And then we'll see, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I hope it comes out. I had a little bit of a a sense. I mean, I had hope, I guess, not a sense, just hope that doing good would bring good right. and that this would not be the one thing that takes me down from not being able to go. But, Right. You know,
1: and you saw so. that it did. I, and I love part of it was their, your recovery, right? So for the athletes who are listening, what, why is that so important that you can recover faster?
0: Yeah. Well, there's a couple of layers to it. So yeah, my, my, my recovery was better. And I think people kind of are used to hearing that a lot now, but mm-hmm. my, um, my repeatability between my efforts also in increased and enhanced, and my output increased greatly. Um, and you saw this scene in the Game Changers. I mean, I was I was doing a lot of work on the inverted leg sled because I had I mean I had to build a lot of muscle, right? And where I told you I did so, um, that was something that I was pushing. Like around 300 ish pounds times um 60 reps times five sets, and wow. you know as I tapered right before the Olympics, so that period of time that I had then gone plant based, um, I was at 585 pounds, so just shy of 600 pounds times 60 reps times five sets. So wow. the growth of the of the muscle mass. Uh, that took place on plants was pretty extraordinary. I mean, that's wow. it. It was that's that's a, that's so much way. I mean, it's five plates aside. No, it's six plates aside. Um, Twelve, yeah, in the bar. Um, that the dudes in the gym were like thought something was seriously going on. I mean, you know, like nice steroids are on, you know, because like, <laughs> that does not equal that. So there was there was an amazing. Um, just transformation, in, in that alone, which I think is something that people have a really hard time connecting. Yeah. Like I think the recovery thing makes even a, makes some sense, you know, like logically, even people that are eating animals, like okay, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yeah. And I mean, I yeah, the ones that want to admit that animal foods are inflammatory, but. Um, I think they almost think like from, even from like, I don't know, just a processing digestive standpoint, like, oh yeah, it would just, you know, maybe you have a little bit more energy if you're eating like tons of nutrients and fruits and vegetables and everything, but I can't eat those all the time. So that's not, but, um, so, but yeah, so the, I mean that, you know, your, your, your blood flow greatly is enhanced and, and, you know, the, the, the repair process that happens in your blood system and, and, and eating so much nitric oxide, right. It's, it's just like this, this, this just super speed of, of, of blood flow and your blood flow, bringing those nutrients back to the working muscles so much faster than it did before, which is repairing them at a greater rate. So the recovery overnight and then recovery between efforts. I mean, I got to where I was like able to produce efforts with so much less recovery than even my teammates were able to, uh, and that was a, that was a big part of it. Cause I was, like I said, as you know, re- recovery was a big deal, it always is to an athlete, but I was a bit older. So, um, you know, that was kind of a race for me, right. To be able to <laughs> recover like the yeah, tenures, younger people. It's, it's phenomenal. So
1: now, cause I see, you know, the, your other teammates and they're seeing how you're eating and seeing this amazing progress. Did any of them ask you for advice or, or did any of them turn to a plant-based diet?
0: Yeah, one of them now is. Okay. Yes. So it, it, um, I think just like I can understand and, and imagine, and, and exactly as the dietitian, nutrition, during the journey, they were not, it was not interesting to them to like change their diet that they had been doing for the, since the beginning of their careers, right? Like that was mm-hmm. not going to be a good time for them to like, hey, Transition. let's see what, what Dotsy's eating. Like that was like, you are really with fire, but, um, so no during, during it. Um, but afterwards, yes, lots of questions, lots of inquiries. And, um, one of them is, I'd say she's 95% plant-based, um, and won't touch dairy milk. She, she's lactose intolerant. You know, we figured that out a while ago, but she had been, she had been inside the, um, you know, the the bars of the, the U.S. Olympic Committee since she was 16 is when she started cycling. Mm-hmm. And so she had been so inundated with these messages that we need cow's boob juice to recover as humans and was just, um, I get it, right? Like I was almost wow. completely inundated and believe in that in my belief system and i hadn't been inside of that nearly as long as she had so i I understood how she was afraid to change that even though it gave her stomach cramping and stomach bloating and stomach pain every time she had any dairy food i mean she just has clear lactose intolerance right so um, but right. she's, um, yeah, she's gotten, oh, I mean, almost, almost like a lease on life back in, in that realm anyway, of not being in pain when you eat, um, now, and she, she loves it and shares it with a lot of That's people. That's Sarah, right?
1: <clears throat> that must be Sarah. No,
0: that's Jenny. It's Jenny. Oh, Jenny, Jenny's the six
1: year old Yeah. 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 Well, so,
0: I know Sarah's super young too. And Sarah's interested in it. Sarah's a a, a massive animal lover. Um, and she's on her own journey with it. You know, she yeah, gets it. It, yeah. t- it takes, it takes a while for some people, but yeah.
1: Absolutely. No, yeah. for sure. You know, uh, all three of my kids have stuck to the plant-based diet and my husband. So it's wow. been a good thing because I came overnight. Wow. 15, 16, year old said eight years ago, we're doing this. And my husband's we're like, doing this. this we're doing this. And they're like, okay.
0: <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my oh, yeah. gosh. They
1: knew better. Um, I'm not a shorter really. cook, so they just would eat what I fit. <laughs> so But right, right. as you are going through this and you do this amazing thing and you got to go to London and you really were the underdogs, you brought home a, a medal after, was it 20 years, right? Before there was mm-hmm. a, a cycle. Mm-hmm. Wow. Incredible. So during this time, I mean, there's a lot you could talk about there, but Now we're talking about Switch for Good, because you're talking about dairy. What was the Mm -hmm. um, idea and inspiration to like, you know, I'm going to, we're going to push this in front of people and, you know, air this on TV and opportune times. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: It just was really born out of my uh, frustration and sadness, really, and of of the experience that I had. as an athlete and as so many athletes have that are now, you know, moving over to plant-based diets that are that are in that journey of going to the Olympics and are, um, you know, kind of fed the propaganda by the Milk Pet Board, who was the United States Olympic Committee's made sponsor. I mean, that's wow. just that's just what it is. It's it's money and follow the dollar. And um, so I just, it was just born out of that, that frustration and sadness and deep desire to tell the truth. That's what really just at the end of the day, I thought we have to stand up and who's we, I don't know. I'm alone on my couch when I, you know, thought of this and I'm watching a commercial that is a milk commercial. That is some of the milk commercials that they made going, leaning into, um, the 2018 winter Olympic games in Pyeongchang. And, and I'm like, we, we just, we have to tell the truth and we have to say something and we have to stand up and say, no, this is not how all athletes recover. Or is it even food for a human? No. And why are we pushing this on um, athletes and people? Mm. It, it just, so it was just a desire to, to, to kind of right the wrong is how we really got started. And now we've gone in all sorts of different directions and um, you know, I think we'll, be around for a very long time, but it was just started from that, from that, 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 that experience and that fervor and that place to say, you know, stand up and say, no, 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 that's not the truth.
1: Who were the first people that you contacted? So people who are inspired to want to do something, but they're like, you know, I'm one person, you know, you had the, the Olympic, you're, you're an athlete already, but so how do you Start and create that team that will help you build this because you can't do anything like that alone, for sure. Right?
0: No, no kidding. Absolutely not. I really just—I mean, the the idea came to me literally sitting on the couch watching this dairy commercial, and it was during Olympic trials for 2018. And this idea came like, what if we could put a commercial on the closing ceremonies of this Olympic games? Which you know, at that point is like six weeks away, five weeks away, right? (laughs) Because the Olympics are only two and a half weeks. That's a great idea. So. It just started as that idea. I I just got a hold of a few people that I had met in the movement because by this point I'm doing a lot of um, I'm doing leafleting, I'm doing speaking, I'm doing that. I'll do anything anybody any of the animal rights organizations wants. That you know, just 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 I'm just in it to win it. So I just call some people that I know and um, you know a production team and some funders and um, I have this idea and this and this marketing team and um, and. And I don't know why, I just, I don't know why they all said yes. I I, Still to this day, I'm like, you guys were lunatics to like say, oh, good idea. Let's put this together in like, you know, this really short period of time, buy all the airtime on NBC, which is going to be a gazillion dollars and put this commercial on. But I don't know, they just all said yes. So then I called every Olympian that I, that I could think of that, you know, is either dairy-free or doesn't eat any animal foods. And I mean, there's not a lot of us yet at this point, right? <laughs> I didn't right. I not have like this. Um, but uh, so it was, it was Seba Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Rebecca Soni. It's a six-time Olympic medalist in swimming. Wow. She's amazing. It was Kendrick Ferris, uh, who's in the Game Changers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Malachi Davis. Um, it's myself. And, um... I think is that six? Something anyway, there was six yes. people, there were six of us, six Olympians in there. what was really cool was um it was uh I know I think I missed somebody, but um it was six Olympians but from four different countries. Oh wow. Yeah, it wasn't just all like US athletes. So that was that was kind of cool that it was like that. Um, but um yeah, we put it on and then you know milk got it pulled. It, we, you know we made it like ha- you know halfway across the country, and then they started seeing it, and then they called NBC and you know, follow the dollar again. So uh, you know our, our beginnings, we started with a fight, right? We, we put a fight up and they gave us a fight back and and, and now we're fighting to the the bitter end because uh. we're gonna be around for a long time. Uh, but we've we've changed so much of our of our approach. And our rhetoric recognizing that you know we can't just uh yell at people and and have this 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 angry approach to what we do right like to mm-hmm. be able to bring people in and educate them and inspire them and and advocate uh, on, on behalf of um of eating you know plants and not mm-hmm. not animals foods and and dairy foods that that's, that's just an entirely different approach that we have mm-hmm. to take so um mm-hmm. yeah so we, we <laughs> yeah i
1: it's the same idea as a doctor who's trying to sell the plant based diet to a patient. I just have to be a better marketer for this plan than what they're currently doing. And so, but it's not hard because everybody gets better, eats <laughs> a plant based diet, at least some exactly. degree. Exactly. Right. And um, yeah, yeah.
0: You just have they're... to pull
1: different levers, right? You just have to figure out what those are. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's incredible. So, you have two different um, things or nonprofits that you run. So, you have Switch for Gold, and then you have the other one, the Compassion Champs. What's that about?
0: No, so I start, I mean, long before Switch for Good came about when I was just doing stuff in this movement after London, and um, I had a, my business was in um, sports technology consulting, um, but I had this little, this, you know, you you have to have a few uh, failures before you have a success. So Compassion Champs was just, you know, it was just an idea I had behind, like, you know, you know, everyday champions, um, you know, sort of standing up for compassion, right? And just because right. we're, um, you know, bold and brave and winning medals doesn't mean that we can't live our life with um, compassion and empathy and love. So it was, it was cool. I was just funding it myself. We did a few interesting yeah. things, but, um, for, you know, it didn't really take off on any big scale. So um, I'm not doing that anymore, but um, gotcha. Switch for Good did. So- yeah. Awesome. It's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's the it's, same message. It's just packet, you know, just this different, different things work better than others. So different packaging.
1: Yeah. That, that is, but it's cool though. Cause everything you do is living your truth and being authentic and aligning your values with your actions, yeah. which yeah. always brings good. So what is the, your next plan? So you had this amazing cycling career and now you've been doing yeah. switch for good. Where, where do you see your future going as you move into, you know, entering into middle ages I understand that very well myself you know where know. is that I'm waiting for grandkids but it did I'm not hopeful but anyway so where
0: where do you get, see yourself you're about to get some of them out you got three so you got you come on you're gonna get you'll get one or two
1: they're good looking kids let me know if you know anyone I, I'll I can show you okay. a picture later so you let
0: me know I just might I know some uh, yeah some younger up-and-coming athletes there we um go. Yeah. Oh, I'm 100% focused on Switch program. I'm the executive director of that, and we have a we have a we have a really decent um, budget, and we have um, all sorts of different ways that we're advocating. We have an entire uh, summer coming out with three more commercials on oh, NBC awesome. that's going to rock the boat a lot. Um, we're also working in, in policy and 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 working to get um, dairy off the U.S. dietary guidelines. Um, we have um, extensive education programs, and we do a lot of um, educating and work with um, uh, big ball sports, sport teams, which mm. we'll continue to do and continue to grow. And it's now during this COVID-19, no one can go anywhere, but we have, we do it with the Clippers. Um, we'll be starting with the Dodgers right when we're out of this. So I see that as, is one space where we'll really become the go-to um, mm. experts. I mean, th- there's, there's so many more immediate, um, noted, Im- you notice so much more immediately how you feel different when you drop dairy. Meat oh. takes a little time, right? Like we know that it's inflammatory, and that, but it's rare that you find somebody that's intolerant to um, meat, right? But there's 65% of the world's population is completely intolerant to digesting um, the lactose and and it's much higher in, um, you know, ethnicities of color. Uh, And it Mm -hmm. is a substance that is pushed highly and it's making most of us really sick. So uh, yeah, it's in in those sports teams. I mean, starting with dairy is something that, you know, it makes sense to them. They have heard it's maybe the message and they want to learn more and they want to understand. We wouldn't be able to get in the door if we were a vegan organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just, they're not, they're just not ready for the whole thing, but they really, they, they get the dairy part and they understand, I mean, the Clippers, their entire team, um, are, are of African descent. They've mm-hmm. one white guy. Mm-hmm. So about 85% of them, this is making them sick and inhibiting their repair and the recovery because of its inflammatory nature. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, that whole journey is, is, uh, unfolding as, as we grow Switch for Good. And we're in the midst of hiring a, an operations director and a um, MARCOM director. And, and so, yeah, we're just, we're, we're here. We're, we're here to stay, um, to share this message and to, and to help people change over from dairy foods that, to plants.
1: I agree 100%, because if I can get someone to re- drop the dairy, the rest of it just kind of falls in place. Like I can walk them through it, but the dairy is huge, so huge.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It really, really is. And, and, you know, if, if we were to mention the ethical perspective, it's, it's by far the most sick and sadistic of all the animal foods. They're all super twisted with what we've done, but that one just is, is, it's a, it's just totally mind blowing when you go into the understanding of what goes on.
1: And it, it boggles my mind too, but how entrenched in our belief system or ability to just walk by with blinders on? Cause I when my daughter was little, so she's 26 now. When she was she was very verbal two or three-year-old, we went to a grocery store and there's you know, in the <clears throat> grocery store, there's lobsters that are still alive, but they have them in the water. And she's like, Mommy, why are there lobsters in the grocery store? Like she could already question that environment. What, what
0: like, is going on? Yeah.
1: Right. And I'm like, well, it's because people eat them. She goes, people eat them. You know, like it really just <laughs> dawned on her. Like this was her death. You know, like when people, when you first understand death and the permanency of it, and she's just like, yeah. it really confused her. And she was upset about that for weeks. And um oh. I don't know why I didn't, you know, back then make that connection myself. Like it was just like, moments in time that I I was giving an an opportunity and you walk by it like I feel like doors open and you have to be ready for that message and it's
0: like ah you do we you are just you have to have so much patience with people with what you do and and it's 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 sometimes it's it's hard but I always just I mean I I ate animals and, and animal foods for 35 years like, right. I mean, that's a really long time. And there yeah. were probably not a time where there wasn't some kind of animal or animal product on my plate. Like, I never just ate plants at any, even in meals. So it was like literally every, so I, you know, it's just, I take myself back there all the time. Mm-hmm. I loved animals. I respected animals. I wanted to have animals and I was eating them. And it's just trying to go back to that space every single time because people deserve grace. They deserve compassion and they deserve love as at whatever journey, at whatever speed of journey they want to take or not at all. You know, right. lots of friends that are like, that's, that's your thing, you know? And you're just like, oh my God. Um, you're nice. Just- I
1: actually, I'm a bit more of a you know, we're sick, you're gonna die, let's talk right now. And there's no time to wait. So when I see them, I see the like, listen, if I don't tell you this, this is where you're headed. Diabetes is, you know, so I yeah. use that MD. Honestly, <laughs> so like, you know, this is really serious, but it's really funny to have, when you have people who shut the door But you're Mm -hmm. like, so why are you shutting the door? And, you know, I'm going to keep knocking. And they're like, okay, I've had patients take a year. And then you finally say something. So you just can't give up. That social contagion is so important because you never know.
0: You're right. You're so right. I know. (laughs)
1: <laughs> incredible absolutely I, i'm sure we could talk about that forever and i've taken so much of your time and i so appreciate we've oh, enjoyed it <laughs> is there um any last bit of advice maybe we you would like to share with someone who's on that teetering edge Or are like i'm an athlete i'm in high school or a college athlete and you know what is that one that you like you would like to encourage them
0: um they will be better Mm. They will be stronger. They will be faster and they will beat their teammates to the line. And so if that's, if, if that's not encouraging to every athlete, that is the truth. It really, really is. I have not ever seen it go the other way. Absolutely. Um, I'll, 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 I'll let you know if I do. Um, and then there <laughs> would be a first and then I wouldn't really be able to say that, but I have not ever seen it go the other way. Um, yeah. when athletes move over to this, but I think it, even though that is enticing mm-hmm. and exciting to hear, go, okay, I'm going to be faster and better. I'm going to lean into it, give it a try. Um, I really encourage people to, to start uncovering what their why is. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be specifically the ethics of the animals. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that it can be just, um, something to do with with your health maybe you have a family history which is really not necessarily a family history of heart disease it's a family history of bad diets right that is that that. but um you know some some things truly are genetic if they're you know and you you want to turn that around maybe you want to be an example for your you know 70 year old dad who has type 2 diabetes and hypertension and, and and high blood pressure and high cholesterol And you just want to show him that it's possible and that it's delicious. There's all, there's so many varieties of whys in there, but for it to really um, be profound and, and something that you, that you do want to stick with, because it's not, to me, it's, there's, it's not a diet at all. It is just this remarkable freeing, um, totally loving and, and wonderfully flavorful lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So as you're do, as you're going down the journey, athletes start looking for your why for this, because mm-hmm. that's what really sustains you for sure.
1: I think that's beautifully said. You're just asking them to critically think about their being and existence
0: and choices. So,
1: But I agree. It's loving. So when we go to our plant-based conferences, like the Plantation Project, there's a thousand doctors like us. It is the most fun than any other conference. I've been like, you people are just different. You're happy and glowing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Isn't that the truth?
1: It's a different level of energy that you'll, you'll ever meet is when you're surrounded by people who believe and love. and want people to be helped. Well, it's amazing.
0: Yes. Yeah. And the <laughs> doctors themselves look so healthy and glowing. It's a you different, know? And that's, it's, it's a different deal different. right than the other medical conferences you used to go to. Cause most of those people are not suggesting to their patients cause they don't want to do it. I mean, that's the end of the day, you know, and it's just like, Oh, the doctor that like looks like he's going to keel over in this conversation cause he's so out of breath. It's like, I don't think I want to do what they're doing. Oh,
1: I can tell you so much about that. It's incredible. There's interesting studies on how doctors who exercise more likely talk to their doctor about exercising. mm -hmm. They eat plant-based. It's just so much, so much. But again, I just so enjoy talking to you. Maybe someday I can get you back on and we can dive into something else. You're a blast. So that would be fun. This was
0: super fun. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we we got here and and thanks for being so loving and patient with me.
1: Oh, no. Trust (laughs) me. If anyone understands- (laughs) I do. I am the the world's worst.